ethical leadership ethics i'm a leadership by ethics now this leadership is perhaps in my view in my trainings in my experience this is the core of leadership this is the most important aspect of leadership you know we can study all the other things we can talk about um uh, influence we can talk about uh, productivity okay leadership by productivity we can talk about all that we can talk about impact leadership by impact but now when we come to talking about ethics this is the core of leadership this is where credibility for you as a leader comes in okay so there are three aspects that i want uh, that leadership plays out number one, you can be the one who is being led all right number two, you can be the one leading are we together and number three, you can be the one in between and one side you are being led on the other side you are leading so when you look at ethics and ethical leadership you ask yourself which position am i at am i being led so if you're being led how do you identify ethical leadership am i leading if you're leading how do you how do you become a leader a, a, an ethical leader okay so there are some of you here in this room you're leading and at the same time you're being led and some of you are simply being led okay now these two kinds of categories of people are key to understanding ethical leadership for example the greatest challenge in our country in politics is what leadership but is it really leadership or ethics okay <laughs> ethics we have great leaders okay recognized all over the world are you together when you talk of raila odinga he's recognized all over the world you talk about uh, president kenyatta is recognized all over the world okay but then when it comes to ethics in our country there's a problem and that's why even in the last election and the elections that have passed corruption was a key thing it played out the politics uh, uh, you could hear time a campaign when uh, when uh, uh, the guys who were opposed to william ruto were saying is corrupt okay and so they say there will be runaway corruption in in the government and those who are opposed to Raila Odinga were saying he's also very corrupt okay so you listen to the both sides and everyone had their own evidence you know it's very interesting about public evidence kila mtu anatoa the past newspaper articles oh uh, when this guy was prime minister he did this or when this guy is dp he did this okay that that is all a question of ethics ethics you look at churches for example why has a church lost a lot of credibility in today's world in Kenya okay because of ethics do you have great leaders in the church yes do you have some wonderful bishops yes okay we can mention a few kama kina david oginde eh kina um we bishop wapefa anaitwa clioba okay we have some wonderful bishops some lovely akina jb akina mark we can mention them they have really influenced our nation true or false but then Uh, why is it that the church is now being undermined in Kenya why is it that people are complaining about church 
because of ethics, ethical leadership. If we can fix our ethics, we can go very far in terms of leaders, in terms of nations, and in terms of our own development. Okay? Now, ethics cuts across every aspect of leadership, whether it's business leadership, political leadership, church leadership, whatever kind of leadership you offer, if you don't have ethics, tell your friend ethics or... Ethics. If you don't have ethics, it doesn't matter whether in politics or church, it is a double or triple-edged sword not to have ethics. There was this guy, his name was Dominique Strauss-Kahn. He was the president of IMF or the managing director of IMF, International Monetary Fund. And if you understand how IMF works, it is one of the biggest lenders, okay, to especially third world nations. In other words, being a president or being a managing director of IMF, you are like the president of presidents, okay? Because you sit with presidents and you sit with governments to negotiate funding. It is all, it's the same thing, IMF and, and World Bank, they, they operate almost in the same way. But IMF is more, uh, you know, involved, all right? And it's French, I think it's French controlled. So this guy, Dominique Strauss, is also so French. So he became president or he became managing director in the year 2007. He was a politician in France. He was backed by Nicolas Sarkozy. Remember Nicolas Sarkozy, the former president of France? He was so short. Sarkozy was so short <laughs> that when he would make speech, they, instead of lowering the podium, they would put a, a canini palacini. That's what I remember about him. And then he was married to this tall woman. You know, it's, it was interesting. Now, Sarkozy backs uh, Dominique to, come, to become the, uh, the IMF MD. And the guy wins and he becomes IMF MD. The problem he had was that he was a sexual predator, according to what they say. He had problems with sex. Okay? And, and I want you guys to understand what we were talking about last week, because uh, I mentioned something about sex, and, and, you know, sex in relation to leadership. And so this guy had issues, but I don't know why they still pushed him. I don't know why they still, uh, uh, you know, vouched for him. But one, one time he goes, uh, I think, to New York, or I can't remember the, the place, the country, and he's in this room, and then there's this young lady, she may have been Senegalese or West African, who had moved to that country. And, and this guy, you see now, this is the MD for IMF, true or false, okay? Brilliant guy. So when he goes to a hotel, they don't just have to hear him at a hotel like this. It's a presidential suite, you know, it's, it's a nice thing. So this young lady walks in, and, and Kidokidogo, after a few days, she comes out and says that uh, Dominique Strauss uh, raped her. She was a cleaner, or they call maid, okay? And she was black. So she's scared double tragedy. <laughs> she's a woman and she's black. In Europe, women have more rights than men, okay? In fact, it is said that cats have more rights than men <laughs> in Europe. <laughs> Cats and dogs. Now, this is not just a woman. It's a black woman. Hey, that's a double tragedy. Having, being accused by a white woman is a problem. 
in its, on its own. Being accused by a woman who is black is not just a problem. Now it's a racist issue. Okay? It shows that you have undermined this woman so bad, so much, that now you can even rape her and have no consequences. So the world came crashing down on Dominique. And I remember that case in 2011, when, when the entire world was against this guy, this white supremacist <laughs> slave, you know, they say colonialists, and then it became a French issue. The French have problems. Look at all the countries that were colonized by the French. They are all having problems, okay? But then you start looking at it, and it's true. Look at all the French colonies in Africa. They are not developing compared to the British colonies in Africa. Okay? You look at Senegal, they have a problem. You look at Cameroon, they are poor. You look at uh, countries like Chad, they are poor. Okay? But look at countries like Kenya, I'm a Nigeria, there is progress. Do you know why? So it, it became a whole issue and now it became a national, global problem. To a point we begin to, under, to, uh, to, uh, to understand that the French countries or the French African countries every year send $500 billion to France. They don't have central banks in their country. All the money they collect, they must send it to France. Sorry? Yes. All African French colonies. They must send their money to France every year and they cannot get that money back. For them to get back, they are loaned. The money is loaned to them. Okay? That's how, that's the French oppression. So what are the consequences? You will be destabilized. They'll overthrow your government and bring war like you have... Eh? Look at French countries. Look at French countries. Every other time, even when last week. Burkina Faso. Oh, yes, Burkina Faso. Yeah. <laughs> Look at all French Africa. They are called the Francophones. Look at them. They have been destabilized. They have military coups. They have, their economy is not working. The biggest African migration to Europe is who? French Africa. Okay. You guys will love football. The French team, French national team, is comprised of who? 80% blacks. 80% blacks. From which nations? <laughs> okay. How many, have you ever looked at the Mediterranean crossing? Okay. The Africans who cross through the Mediterranean to Europe. Do you know where they come from? Okay. Those French colonies, Cameroon, Senegal, Mauritania, Mali, okay, all those French whatever. Right now, slavery is happening in Libya, okay? Do you know the blacks who are being enslaved in Libya? They, are tr they were trying to cross the Mediterranean, okay? They are all from French-speaking countries in Africa. Rwanda has shifted and has cut its ties <coughs> with the French, okay? Because Rwanda was colonized by who? By the French. To this day, uh, Burundi speaks French. 
But Rwanda moved away and now they have adopted English as their national language and they have been joined into the Commonwealth. Though they were not qualified by, uh, they were not uh, colonized by the French, uh, by the English. Are we together? They were not col uh, colonized by the British. All right? Uh, uh, you look at this country called uh, DRC. Okay? As much as it was colonized at first, it was a personal property of King Leopold II. Personal property, Shambayake, like personal. Okay? <laughs> it didn't belong to the Belgians, it belonged to him first. Okay? Then the Belgian, you know, the Belgian government said, okay, let's own this. So they owned it. Then when colonialists came, the French took over. You saw what happened to Congo. You see what's happening to this day in Congo. Okay? You look at those countries and you begin to see there's a problem in the French-speaking countries. You look at English-speaking countries, Kenya, uh, Uganda, Botswana, Zambia, South Africa. There's some form of stability. Okay? Economically, compared to the Chad, the, uh, the Central African Republic. Okay? Okay. What is the work of this superpower? They should not agree with this. Hmm? Like America has the only no, America doesn't have the right to fight for you. No, if Qatar is, for instance, you have a country, if it won, mm. it carries its size, but it came to Britain. Why does it, why does it happen if the Qatar is the stabilized? You can cut ties and fight for the rights. Mm? Yeah. You can do what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you ask yourself why our jitoy? You know when the French colonized, uh, the French colonialists or the strategy of the French colonialists was very different from the British. When France colonized, they considered you as an extension of France. Okay? And that's the same thing they did to Algeria. They, they created, it is as if you are part of France. And so by that idea, the black people, you know, are happy to be recognized as part of France. What they didn't know was that it was a plan to exploit them and exploit their land. For example, right now in Chad, you know Chad? Over 60% of the labor force is white people. Even in the army. It is white people. When they colonized, or when they left Chad, they left their civil service. They, like, it's an extension of France. It is considered as an extension of France. So they will come out to Kenya, and our government uh, begins to appoint the chairman of KPLC, Nimzungu, the chairman of Mumia Sugar, Nimzungu. Are we together? But all the money they are generating, Hairudi Kenya, in Endawapi? France. That's what I'm talking about. Because they are saying, uh, the idea that we as Africans have is that Mzungus can run things better than we can. And that is a major uh, you know, problem that we have, uh, we have as Africans. We believe that if Mzungu is given, for example, this institution, he can do a better job than the African who is here. You walk around with a Mzungu. <laughs> just get a mzungu friend and walk around even if he's poor okay 
and he looks poor, okay? And he's dressed poorly. Just walk around, you see how people will view you, okay? The influence you will have just by being with a mzungu. You cannot have it on your own. And that is where we, we go wrong as, as Africans. Now, in Kenya, that is happening, yes. Now, imagine in a country Kama, Kama Sierra Leone, uh, Ama Cameroon. Okay? You're walking and you're with a mzungu. You see, the respect you get up a Kenya, chapa your respect times 50 or 100 in Cameroon. <laughs> you will see, you will meet the president of Cameroon. Just by being with a mzungu. Utajipata state hauzuko. Unainvaitiwa. Mm. How are you? Yes. Yeah, so, ah, this white man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hiya. The other time we talked about the benefits of war. Okay. You remember? And I asked you to go and watch a, a, a movie called Lord of War by Nicolas Cage. And how the white people cause war. Okay. Such that it benefits them. And so, Dominique Strauss was French. And all those global, uh, whatever you are discussing now became a global discussion. The French are these, the French are manipulators, the French are controllers, the French this, the French that, okay? And eventually, there was a court case because now this lady had to file a case. And so they went to court. And sadly, the case was dismissed for lack of evidence. Despite finding a sample of a semen. You know, those guys are very thorough in their investigations. They found a semen or a, a sample of a semen or sperm in, the, in the, one of the blouses of these ladies that matched the DNA of Dominique Strauss. Okay? But then uh, the case was dismissed by the fact that this woman, according to the prosecutors was incoherent and not uh, consistently truthful. Okay? They said she was lying in some instances. But the truth of the matter is, Strauss had gotten to her and eventually the case was settled out of court. She was paid for her silence. All right? After that, there are more cases that came. More women began to have the confidence to come out and say, now there is, this guy raped me. This guy attempted this. But the funny thing, all the cases that this guy has, you know, has found himself in have been thrown out for lack of evidence. Okay? Now, he may look smart. But he had to resign as the president of IMF. He had to quit because his ethics were questioned. Whether it was true or not. Are you together? And that is the power of ethical leadership. Whether it was true or not, he had to step down. He had to do away with that position. Today, I don't know how he, where he lives or how he lives his life, but there are movies that have been made out of him. Okay? Now, you can rise. Let me tell you guys, it doesn't matter how high you rise in this world. If you have problems with ethics, you will never lead. Your credibility is gone. 
let's use this other guy called Arkeli. You know Arkeli? Okay? He's a musician, or he was. One of the best, uh, he's called King of uh, R&B. He was brilliant. The guy was gifted. Like, if you don't know his music, just go listen to his music. He was seriously gifted. But he had a problem, I think, uh, uh, with himself. He did not know where to stand as an individual. He didn't know whether to sing gospel or, or secular or raga or whatever. But the fact is, whatever he tried in music, he worked. It succeeded. Whatever songs, come and worship in, and I worship Unasema Jesus, come down further. When he begins to go to the dance club, everyone takes off their clothes because of him. Okay? So he's referred to one of the geniuses, modern geniuses in music and creativity. He was brilliant. But then, as much as he was brilliant, as much as he was selling millions of, of, of uh, albums, as much as he was at the top of his game, he was accused of sexual scandals, uh, having sex with minors. Now, the problem is this. He would... You know, you know, sometimes psychotic cases are very interesting. He would have these minors and have sex with them, 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, and then record himself on video. In 1995 or 97, uh, I can't remember whether it's early 2000s or late 90s, these videos found their way into the wrong hands. Okay? And someone exposed him. And there was a case. And he went into this case, and of course he bribed himself out, so no one really cared about him. Then 30 years later, he had abused so many women that now there was no hiding. So many kids, not women, kids, under 18. And then now there was no hiding. So finally, all these women begin to come, the parents of these kids begin to come out and say, no, we must do something about this guy. He had survived all that time. And now Netflix ran a show uh, or a documentary that is called Surviving R. Kelly. You should watch it. That documentary brought this man down. He was so big, he was so influential, he was so powerful, he would do concerts and people would feel his concerts. He was like every moment Ukitanivi, it's an R. Kelly song, whether in a classic FM, Kiss FM Za Kenya, wherever in the world he went, he was, in the, uh, he was part of the team that was making songs for World Cup in South Africa. He was brilliant. He was almost a billionaire, if not a billionaire, in, term, in, in dollars. By the time he was sentenced, because he was, he was arrested and the case was opened and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison last year. The guy is, I think, 56. Okay? So 30 years, you'll be how old? 86. 86. <laughs> he brought down his entire career, his entire reputation, because he couldn't control his sexual urges towards kids. So he's a pedophile. 30 years in jail. Once he got into jail, his financial managers began to raid his accounts, my friend. Right now, he has zero, zero shillings, zero dollars. He's a poor man in prison. A guy who was functioning with $500 million, $700 million, get, is now zero. 
other people benefited from his downfall. Everyone say ethics. ethics. Ethical leadership. Okay? And those are just a few examples. The last example is a guy called Ravi Zacharias. You know Ravi Zacharias? Ravi Zacharias is, was one of the top world apologetics. Okay? Apologetics is a study of the defense of the faith. These are the people who study, I don't know, come up to some of your, you know, in your, in your theology classes or something, but these are the guys who study how to defend Christianity. All right? When you're having a conversation with a Muslim or someone who doesn't believe or an atheist, you know, Jews could look on history of Freemasons. Leona. And, and this guy, Areto Ambrose, Rachia, you know, comes out and says, Oh, me, I'm Freemason, you know. And everyone is like, Huh? Now, if you understand the, the, the history of Freemasons in Kenya, those are not things you go out announcing. Okay? You don't go saying, Oh, here, I'm Freemason. No, you will be slaughtered alive. This is Kenya. As much as Kenya, we have our problems, we are basically Christian nation. <laughs> okay? Whether we are confessing Jesus or not, there are things you just give to yourself. So this guy comes out and says, oh, I'm Freemason. Okay? Yeah. And everyone goes, oh, no, hey, hey. even his own uh, business partner, Otiende uh, Amolo, distances and says, ah, ah, hey, let it be known. We are, we are not Freemason. Okay? So people are distancing himself, themselves from him because of his statements. Okay? He's a chairman of Gormaya. And even the, the board of Gormaya has come out and said, ah, ah we, do not, we, are, we do not know this guy that way. We are not part of Remason. Okay? Because they know the backlash that will come. In the eyes of the people, he has lost his ethics. Okay? Because there is a way we perceive Freemason in Kenya. I saw someone else argue and say, oh, you guys don't understand the history. We are not about the history. We are talking about what it is now, okay? <laughs> what it means here in Kenya. History Lipita, okay? Maybe they started well, we do not know. And the truth is, their history is very nice. They built some of the biggest cathedrals in the world, in Italy and Britain and Europe. Okay? But then it has evolved. They are not denying that they are not devil worshippers. Okay? If you don't deny, you are confer confirming. <laughs> That's a problem. Now, the work of an, apolog an apologist is now to come out with facts and say why he believes in Jesus. Okay? And why you should believe in Jesus. And Ravi Zacharias was one of the most brilliant, most eloquent apologists you will ever hear. You can listen to him, okay? You listen to him for 30 minutes, and you may be born again, again. Okay? So he would meet, uh, he would meet um, Muslims, and he would engage them in debates. He would meet uh, the Eastern religion, uh, religion uh, fellas, you know, like these guys when they were Buddha and Nini, and he would engage them in discussions. He has written books, and one of the books he wrote was Jesus, Buddha, and Muhammad, a conversation, okay, between these three. Brilliant. Like the guy presents Christianity in a way, but I'm going to say, wait, 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 w
to be able to defend the gospel. He talks about the New Age movement. So he was one of the most listened to. He's the only person who was allowed to get into Russia when Russia was behind what we call the Iron Curtain or the times of uh, communism. He was the only preacher who was allowed to get into Russia and speak about Jesus in Russia. Okay? The only preacher that I know of. I know Billy Graham went, but he didn't have, uh, he didn't have a chance to speak. He just visited. But Ravi Zacharias went in and actually began debating with communists and atheists and people who didn't believe in God. Okay? But then, ethics. Tell your friend ethics. Tell the other one ethics. Oh. Okay? I used to listen to Ravi Zacharias. I have his books. I have his videos. I so because he was also not just a speak he was not just an apologist he was also an orator. You know those people who speak you are at the edge of your seat you're like hey brother keep speaking. You get? But then so last year I think last year last year but one he passed on. You know? And and I you know we were very sad about it and you know this guy has gone to be with the Lord he he, he died because of cancer. And so we said okay sawa. And then a storm comes after his death. And I'm reading and I'm like, what? Okay? Something that spanned for 25 years of his life. Sexual abuse of women. Yes. Naget. Women coming out and saying, oh, Ravi, he, he used to own a, a spa. Ilerinia uh, Massage. What do you call them? Spa and what? Something, something. And the reason he owned that was because he used to have a back problem. And he went for physiotherapy and he was treated by, you know, through massage and through his own, his own physical activities. And so he decided, because of, this is what has healed me, let me set up something for business. And he did it. And the accusations leveled against him were so gruesome, like, Nilkona Juliza, serious. Is this even true? You know, those are the moments you begin to doubt. I. Ah, to, are you sure I'm singing bit like they are not just uh, bringing up stuff? And so they would say, some of the women came and said, oh, some of the women who worked at his spa, his massage, whatever, are the ones who are coming and saying, oh, no, one day he came here, he wanted massage, blah, 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 he did one, two, three. Okay? 25 years ago. 17 years ago. And, you know, case after case, there are other women that, who had to sign an NDA with him, okay, a non-disclosure agreement that this, uh, whatever has happened, we will pay you off, but you will never talk about it, okay. So the, the, uh, the ministry, the Ravi Zacharias ministry that he had founded uh, was left to the daughter when he died, and so this, all these accusations came, and the board of directors decided to hire an independent firm, an investigative independent firm, to investigate these accusations and find the validity of them. And they said, should they be found true, we will make them public. And that's what happened. So this investigation firm comes and approached all the ladies who had accused this guy of an, being unethical, and they all gave accounts, you know, like accounts that were almost similar, okay? And so finally they brought this and, and the Ravi Zacharias ministry decided, okay, let's talk to everyone. So they opened it up to the public. 
And I said, Chineke wo. And the guy is grounded. The guy is dead. The guy is already in heaven. You know. <laughs> Maybe he repented at his last breath. So he's in heaven. You get. So, and then I'm like, so this is the end of this ministry. You know, that's the end. Okay? That's the end. Like, we will, the legacy is gone. The, the awe in which we beheld him is gone. Now, you, if you listen to him, you, have, you just have to listen to him because of his content, not because of his credibility. Are you together? You just have to listen because he was a smart guy, but not because he was credible. Ethics, my friends. Now, the question is, as much as Ravi Zacharias lost ethics or did not have ethics according to the findings, do you think his daughter and the board had ethics? That they were willing to make this thing public, knowing if they do that, this is the end of everything. It is the end of their income. It is the end of this ministry. Okay? Do you think that was ethics? Ah, yeah. I think it was. You think it was? Yes. Uh -huh. Bonnie? Make a look it on two sides. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think there is ethics. There is ethics, yes. But now on the other side of ministry. Yeah. I think it was not us. Yeah. So should they have covered it up? What should they have yeah, done? They could have just covered it up because now it's dead. Yeah. No, if it is or it was alive, then you could have called and agitated. Mm. But somehow. Yeah. And we know that the ministry is here. Mm. To me now, I could look at the bigger picture of the ministry yeah. than the individual. Yeah. yeah. So I could just take it like that yeah. and say, you and I'm working at the ministry. Yeah. So who fights for the women? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. And then my... These of men, I saw that they would have covered it. But let me tell you something that. Everything that you do in secret, at some point, it will be displayed in the public. Mm. So, I, I'm sure there are advisors who don't think that. That if you cover it, if you want to come in public and you have to answer why, mm. you want to cover it, you know, publicity. Mm. So, I think they were wise. They were avoiding some consequences which will come later. Yeah. Because if they are to cover, mm. at some point, they could have. To answer questions which they are they were not able to answer because they could answer questions for one person. They are not going to give the the what they did, but the, the person who said is is the one supposed to answer and they could have answered for the new. But would you do that against your father? My dad. Okay, if it's a bad thing, Abim is working. Hmm? Abim is working. He's dead. 
<laughs> because it was his daughter who really who was in charge of the ministry. So this, this is what I'm talking about. This man has built a global ministry. Okay? Not just in Kenya, not just in America. It's a global ministry. Meaning, he has offices in South Africa, maybe. Offices in Singapore. Office, like everywhere in the world. So it's a global ministry. Also meaning it's a multi-million dollar ministry. Okay? Because people are supporting it. People are giving to it. Because of the good work that he's doing. Christians are partnering with it financially, okay? Which means it has also created a lot of employment to many people, okay? So this man is dying. So he picks his daughter and says, okay, come run with this thing. I'm handing you, let's say, for example, a $200 million ministry. This is your income. This is the people. These are the lives you are touching, okay? You are touching in terms of millions. Because when you count his books... His uh, videos, it's millions of people who are benefiting from this ministry, okay? Then you take up uh, now uh, uh, the, the funding that is coming, the conventions, conferences that he's doing, and now he's told you, you take it over. Then you come and you find there are seven women, five, seven women, who are saying, oh, your father raped me. Are you together? Oh, your father sexually assaulted me. Would you still go ahead and do it? And expose him. Knowing that this global thing will probably collapse. Knowing that this revenue will probably stop coming. Knowing that the millions of people that he has impacted will probably change their minds about him. And you no longer have the global reach. You no longer reach these lives. Okay, What do you do? Yes, Michael. Okay, so do you make it public? Whatever evidence you found, do you make it public? Do you settle with these people out of court? Okay, why public? As you think. Yes, Bonnie. Yes. Yes, yes, I remember. Yeah. And all over the media. Yeah. 
and they, we were like, this good man, even now I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. they were love this man. Yeah. But he comes on the table and say, yes, it's true. Mm. And, I'm, and I'm taking care of this. Yeah. And that thing died. died even yeah. in the election, I didn't get. Yes. Yeah, even mean. in this, when he won this election. Mm. Now, coming back to Christianity, where is the place of forgiveness? Is someone can own up and say, yes, I fell. And that takes me back to David. David is a man after God's own heart. Mm. Why then Jesus, God say, because we have done, I know there are consequences. Mm. We will live with God. So like now the, 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 the rabbis, he has to live with, the ministry has to live with consequences mm. of his character. Mm. But I, I'm asking, should ministry die because of this one fault? Okay. That's yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a very uh, good question. Should ministry die? Who determines whether it dies or lives? The actors. Hmm? Who happens to be the daughter? Mm. Who determines the organization lives on or dies based on, yes? Hmm? A judge. <laughs> there was a guy who was called Jim Baker. You know Jim Baker? Ah, yeah, the younger people, I think you guys need to read a lot. But just mention, get the names and then you can read. They're all in Google, okay? The first time I heard about Jim Baker, he was a preacher, not really a preacher, preacher. He was a TV guy, but born again Christian. He's the first man to bring about um, what we call today tele televangelism. He was the first man to create a station that was purely Christian, a TV station, Jim Baker. He became so powerful, so influential, so great that during the time of Ronald Reagan, the president, uh, Ronald Reagan, one of the greatest American presidents in modern days, Jim Baker was among the five people who had, the, that Ronald Reagan had their phone numbers. Now, let me explain that. This is what the presidents of the United States do. I don't know whether the culture is still there, but those days it was there. It was there because of the, of the Cold War. I don't know whether it's still there. When the president became president, he was asked to pick five, three to five people that he totally, completely trusted in their advice, that should there be a crisis, before he calls all his national whatevers, he would call these five people, okay? Between these three and five people. And so he was asked, uh, then these five people were given special uh, communication devices. They were not phones, communication devices. And only the president would call. If that device is go, you know, goes on, only the president, no one else. Not his chief of staff, not the vice president, only the president. And Ronald Reagan picked Jim Baker as one of the three, one of the five, three or five. That is, I'm trying to say that so that I show you how influential Jim Baker was. Okay? So brilliant, so like genius guy. Wherever he went, people respected him, people feared him, people honored him. He had over 500,000 people supporting his ministry. He began something called the PTL Club that people would come and he was brilliant. 
And then in the late 80s, I think 89, 88, 89, he gets accused of um, fraud, defrauding the government, not paying tax. And you know, there, IRS is serious. Sikama Kenya, Tunaza negotiate No, Kamu Jalipam say, Jali. And so a case is opened, and the entire ministry of Jim Baker comes and collapses dead. And the guy's jailed. This great preacher, this influential man, jailed for 20-something years. So, of course, when you're in prison, they begin to, you know, to, uh, uh, to negotiate and petition and all that. So, all those 20-something years come to eight years. And after eight years, he's released. Today, he's still preaching. Today, he still has a ministry. But he has not yet gone back to what he was. Okay? <laughs> so, when I say ethics... The ministry died, and as he's saying, the judge ordered that the property of that whole ministry be sold to a similar cause. And so Maurice Cerullo, another great preacher who passed on, I think, last year, my last year but one, purchased the Jim Baker uh, TV stations, equipment, whatever, to use it for ministry. Okay? So ministry sometimes, it can die. The organization can die or it can be inherited by someone else, okay? But it, it all has to do with ethics, my friends, ethics. The case of Bill Clinton, yeah, Bill Clinton, and Monica Lewinsky. This is a president of the United States, the most powerful man on earth, okay? So Clinton had a problem. If you read his book, My Life, you can also read Jim Baker's story uh, he wrote a book after that, explaining everything that he did. His book is called I Was Wrong. And that's when he admits and says he was wrong. He admits to uh, sexual um, encounters with women uh, away from his wife. So it's, it's a very riveting story. I read it and I, and I was crying, okay? I was wrong. Bill Clinton's memoir, My Life, is so interesting that he admits to the issue of Monica Lewinsky. So there's this girl, young girl, uh, maybe some, some of you are uh, the age mates of that girl. She was an intern at White House, and Bill had a sexual problem. Okay? And, you know, he was having sex, and he wanted more, because he explained in his book, because of how he was raised, a lot of stuff, okay, that had to do with the psychology. But then suddenly, this Monica Lewinsky comes out and begins to expose Bill Clinton. Hi, my friend, the president of the United States of America. You don't do that. As a young girl, don't do it. Are we together? You will die. <laughs> it's very interesting. So, but then in America, the moment you come out and say, now you're protected. Okay, you're given security because they know who you're challenging. It's not just Vivi. So you're protected, and Monica was protected. And there came a case and the issue. You see, now this is not just, it's no longer an issue about Bill Clinton. It is an issue now about the government, an issue about the credibility of America into the world. <laughs> Together, the United States of America. Now it is the credibility of the US is on the line. Because as a president, you don't represent yourself. You represent the entire nation. So the issue is discussed in Congress. And, and finally, Kidogo, Congress decides, okay, this guy, we have to impeach him. 
Imagine they want to impeach their president because he slept with an intern who was old enough, not a minor, we together. <laughs> Can something come here happen in Kenya? Can we impeach our president for sleeping with a college girl? <laughs> I mean, like, we'll say, no, the girl was 18, yes, okay, Sawa. She's also a grown up. Sinukweli? Ajipa? Atayalita? Yeah. <laughs> was it rape? No. Okay, where lipo can you lipo? Where lipo a cow live with a five hundred, where five hundred thousand? Where? Waja kutuzumbua. That is Kenya, my friend. In the case of Linturi, it's finished. The guy has no case. In fact, according to the court, there was no marriage. The yani, what are you going to Ethics. Africa, you are to ethics. So, in America, this woman, this girl, she was very beautiful, by the way. She wasn't just TV. If you want to say, Clinton, you are <laughs> Hillary. Hillary was also very beautiful when they were younger. Hillary Clinton. So, Bill has an eye. But then it becomes so problematic for him that, you see now, this is what happens in America. The president may look like, and he says that in his book, he says the presidency, being a president of the United States of America, is the most powerful position, but it is also the most powerless position. He's the most powerless man holding the most powerful position. He says that because as a president, you don't control the security arm, the security arm of government. So the FBI walked into his room. You have time to investigations. They, take the, they took the bed sheets. They took everything, okay? Because apparently, it was not a one-night stand, okay? It was a relationship, a affair that had been going on for a while. And so there were multiple evidences. There's a DNA. Clinton had denied this whole thing initially. Of course, he's a politician. But eventually, when they took the samples and they took the bed sheets and now they went to test them and they, he realized, hey, I will be impeached. I will be embarrassed. I will leave presidency with uh, an egg on my face. So I think his advisors are Kwambia, please go and confess on camera. Remember, and that time when he was confessing, I'll go on my sweat. I don't know that it's on musical YouTube. You can check them. He was I'll go on sweat. a whole president of the United States of America, and a tissue on a twenty years, <laughs> my friend. And the guy came on television and did what Boniface has said. He owned up. He said he's sorry. He apologized to the American public. And he apologized. Whether he was genuine or not, we do not know. But everyone suddenly said, oh, he's our president. Oh, we forgive him. Oh, he's a good man. Oh, da, da, da. And that's how he survived this presidency. And the fact is this. To this day, no one really knows where Monica Lewinsky is. Are <laughs> 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 we together? But we all know Bill Clinton. We all know he's credited of having the best economy in America than any other president before him. It is said he fixed the economy, okay? 
And people to this day miss his times. Are you together? Where is Monica Lewinsky? Monica, Monica Lewinsky is only associated with that scandal for the rest of her life. And that is a sad thing about the other side, Sasa, of exposing. Are you together? You expose. You think you're having a day. And then, kidogo kidogo, your name for the rest of your life is only associated with scandalizing the president. It doesn't matter what else you achieve in life. Okay? In fact, you may never achieve anything in life because of that one thing. Now, that is the other side of, of exposure. No one will trust you. You see, yes. Oh, she came out and said, This is my husband. Oh, <laughs> I am standing with him. Imagine. And all the women were saying, No, leave him. How can you? And she comes and says, This is my husband. This is my family. I'm standing with him. And she gained so much respect out of that. Ethics. You get my point? Ethical leadership is so critical. Some years back, that kind of accusation would have brought down the entire ministry, the entire denomination. Today, we're in a different world. We say, oh, and it's okay. It is true. So is a girl, all right? So the truth is, we should never, we should try our best not to find ourselves in such circumstances. But then what happens if you find yourself in that circumstance, in that situation, okay? You become like Joseph. You, you become like Joseph. You run, all right? Or like David. There are two people, David and Joseph, are two people still in the Bible, both used by God. True or false? <laughs> If you have the strength and if you have worked on Uran, it is a better option. You don't have regrets. You don't look back and say, oh, I wish I didn't do that. Okay? But if you are living the life of David, you will have regrets for the rest of your life. You'll be crying, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Okay? You'll be standing and saying, it is the faithfulness of God. But yeah, we know it is a faithfulness, but you also don't have some manners. Okay? So there are two cases. You can decide to be Joseph, and it is the most important, the best way, the best option. Be like Joseph. Have some ethics. As David, you live a life of repenting, falling, rising. Unaanza organization in a collapse. Unaanza ingine. Unajambia this time ni metoboa. When it is about to rise, you do it again. It falls again. Okay. So that's how your life becomes. Start, your life is a starting life. And falling life. And starting again, falling again. Starting again. Another uh, motivational speaker. Another kind of broken crayons, also paint or color. You know, again, like another to Ambia. Even though people are broken. So you become a motivational speaker because of your failures. Ethics. Everyone say ethics or? Yes. Ethics when it comes to finances, my friend. Money. And I tell people, never underestimate the power of money. If you have not touched money, don't think you're too good. Don't think that you, you, will be, you will touch money and you will be able to save and, and do what you're thinking. Until you touch money, you never know who you are. Money does not 
change people. It amplifies them. You know, there are people I know who are, who are very poor, and then they became very rich, and suddenly they are no longer picking my calls, okay? Suddenly okay? You used to buy him lunch, but now suddenly they are not picking your phone. Money, it, it never changed him. It just amplifies who he is. Money takes your shape. If you're arrogant, uh, maybe you are arrogant, but poverty has humbled you. Okay? <laughs> because you're poor, you have no choice but to be humble. When you touch money like this, everything changes. And I tell people, I don't trust anyone when it comes to money. And not just kidogo money, a lot of money. You can be in the same church or in the same organization with people, and then a donation comes. Okay? Mesafa na ikanisa, mengangana na organization, maybe ni CBO, maybe ni non-profit, maybe ni church, and you are there, struggling to even, uh, you know, buy tea for meetings. And then a donor comes and gives you and donates 10 million, 20 million. Now, the same people you are praying with, yeah, are ready to hang you because of that money. You had very nice policies. For example, Mluko Mesema, Ile Pesayote Troy Pata, 30% in Endako administration, 70% in Endako projects. Hallelujah. Amen. That was easier when you were getting 50,000, 40,000, okay? Now you have 10 million. Mko Asita. Kugawana 3 million. Mm-mm. Mm -mm. No, let's split it in six ways. These projects, no, projects, see, they're there, they're going. They're running, yeah, yeah. And there are cases and cases and cases of problems of ethics. Ethics. And money is one of the main problems. In fact, money and sex, money, uh, scandals, money and sex, those two, they go hand in hand. And power. Okay? When you have money, there are several things, if you're not careful, you may think right now you, are, you have no problem with money until you get money. You realize how, my, how many problems you have with money. You start spending on things you didn't even plan to. Are you together? Ethics. Everyone say ethics or? Ethics. Look at your friend. Tell, tell them. Ethics. Okay? So when you talk about ethics, there are several things to consider. There are several factors to consider. Number one, and, and that's what now I want to begin to check. Kamasaya Bishop Moreithi, you know, what was it? Zakina uh, Bill Clinton, what was it? What are we talking about? And, and some of the strong ethic, ethical leaders, Kama Mandela, okay? You read the book, Long Walk to Freedom. Uh, it's a very long book, and it's very interesting. And his ethics, ha! If there's one man I know who had serious ethics in leadership, it's Mandela, Nelson Mandela. They offered to free him. 
when he was, I think, 18 years in or 17 years in, and they offered to free him if he abandoned his stand about uh, land and apartheid and nini, and he refused. And he said, no. When they started negotiating with him on how to release him, they offered a few things, and then he, said, he told them, I am not taking this. I have chosen if I die here in prison, I will die. But I am not bowing. Imagine. And eventually they had no choice. They were like, okay, hey, this guy uh, is too strong for us, man. Let's. So they released him with zero conditions. <laughs> now that is ethics, my friend. You stayed in, uh, in jail 18, 19, 20 years. It's, it wasn't a nice place, as people think, okay? People are, uh, these soldiers are always, uh, these guards are always insulting you every morning, reminding you you're black, reminding you you're useless because you're black, okay? Reminding you you originated from an ape every day. You hear what is happening outside, you want to go out and fight for your people, and then they give you some terms and you're like, no. If this is the condition, I'm not doing it. Ethics. Okay? Another guy I know was so ethical was Bill Graham. He was a preacher. And one time in Germany, in the 1950s or 60s, he goes to this crusade and then they want to set him up. So they send a prostitute to run naked towards Bill Graham so that they can take a photo. Okay, you know those days Hakukuana social media and need it was more newspapers. So the idea was you run, go hug Bill Graham, or just hold him, and then we take a very nice photo from an angle and we post it and say, Oh, Billy Graham has compromised. Okay? So Billy Graham is there doing his crusade and, and you know standing there organizing and watching everything. And then he sees this naked lady running towards him. Mbio, I'm a kuja mbio. Billy Graham looks at it. I don't know whether he, thought, he knew about it or, or he, he knew what was happening. But when he sees this girl running towards him, he started running. How <laughs> party? So she was tackled by, by some gentlemen who were there. Okay? And then so she stands up and starts crying. She's asked what's happening. Oh, no, I was sent to do what? <laughs> to, to hug Billy Graham so that he can take photos. And? Post. Post on newspapers. Ethics. One of the things, one of the policies that Billy Graham and, and his friends came up with uh, to run the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association was that they will never, there were several things. One, they would never be found in, the, in a closed room with a woman other than their wives. That's what, that was one of the things they, they came up. Two, they would distance themselves from financial affairs. They would not handle the finances of the ministry. They would appoint a team to care for the finances. He didn't know how much offering was collected on his crusades. He didn't know how much the, ministry, the budget the ministry was running in. He didn't know. Okay, He was one of the kind of people, you give him a car or money, you tell him this is for you, personal, and he would take it and hand it over to the ministry. It would be registered. Everything he owned was registered under the ministry, except the home he lived in. And the home he lived in was not his 
it was his wife's. His wife bought that property under her name and built it for him. The guy was so focused on ministry and life. And the other thing they said is that they will never criticize a fellow minister of the gospel. They will never come out and say, oh, you know, they'll never get into confrontations with other ministers. And number four, they will never be politically associated. And he spanned the decades, remaining at the top till the day he died. That's ethics. Because nothing can keep you at the top except ethics. Even talent cannot keep you at the top. Do you know why? Do you know the lifespan of preachers in Kenya? Okay? At their height. It's approximately seven to ten years at their height. And then they decline. Observe the preachers you know who have influenced this country. Together in the 70s, Kulikuwa Margaret Wangari, isn't it? Okay? At her height, then gone. Tukakuja late 80s, this guy who passed, I'm going meeting, Bishop Murima. Was it a bishop? Murima. Okay? At his height, Tukakuja Teresia Wairimo. All right? The Crusades at Uhuru Park. At the height, Pius Moiro. Okay? At the height, Tukakuja Neno. Remember Neno, how he was so influential in Anga? Okay? At the height, Look at it, and you begin to see there is a pattern about preachers in Kenya. There's a pattern. There's a way they rise and fall. They rise a span of five, seven years, ten, Akienda Sana, then Anarudi. Jokayo, the same. Kainuka, Kainda Chin. Why do you think that happens? Ethics. Ethics. And this is what I'll say. You see, Many, many of us are not close to some of these people. So we see, we see them from a distance. Okay? And when we see them from a distance, we admire what we see. Until we get close to these people. And realize, oh, what I see, Nipiar, this is a real person. Okay? And so once I know that, once she knows that, once he knows that, once, okay, word goes out. Okay? Now that's why we are talking about it. We are talking about it. We are talking about it. So then word spreads, 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 and then credibility in Ashuka. Some of them end up being totally finished, never to return to ministry. Others remain with some small uh, churches. Okay? I would call them small based on what they used to do. All right? For example, if someone gathers 300,000 uh, 300, people for a crusade, and suddenly Chachiake say, 1,000. See, that is a small number compared to the impact that they had. Okay? Some of them remain very small. Wako tu, wako tu. Unasikamdu wakiuliza, nani wapi? Oh, yuko tu, yuko tu. There is no influence, there is, there is nothing. Another one rises, does the same, and then goes back. Because maintaining this is not an easy thing. The question then you ask is, compare the preachers of Kenya and Nigeria. Why is there consistency in Nigeria? 
okay like nigeria it's as if when a pastor starts rising they never stop rising they keep rising and rising and rising and rising and rising and ri- like the only way for them is up they become more influential more influential and rise and rise and rise and higher and higher and higher and higher what happens to kenya higher move away from even churches let's come now to the to this world entertainment industry in kenya okay look at the span of influence for entertainers all right same thing 7 10 years finished Yes. 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 You rebrand. Yes. Yeah. 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 Content ta kuishia if you don't do that. Yeah. Yes. Kama irikomondi, sasa najaribu cross dressing. What you get? Now he's trying to rebrand himself to to look something else, okay? And and with time, if he doesn't keep it up, he, we will forget him. We have started forgetting him already. We have yeah. I don't even follow him. I don't find him funny anymore. Naget. He was funny a few years but now Churchill really makes jokes. I know Churchill from Kitambo from the time alikuwa pastor wa watoto KG Buruburu. He was a serious comedian. Saizi he re- relies on others, okay? It was a good move because he re- has remained relevant, but now his influence, okay? How long did the show run at NTV? Approximately the same times that I'm here. And then gone Most of it has to do with this ethical leadership Is there anyone we can look at in Kenya and say this one has ethics Nobody has ever found Anyone you can think about <laughs> we have to think very hard to mention them. Oh, it, it, it is rare. They are there. They are there. But it's very rare. <laughs> factors, number one, the character. Okay? Some factors to consider on ethical leadership uh, one of them is character now character is the unchanging uh, aspect of a person you know when you say a person uh, has good character we are talking about the unchanging for example it it never they never change they are the same people okay and it also comes from um, the word integrity have i mentioned integrity in this class 
Have I talked about the, okay, there was a training I was doing on Saturday. Did they mention integrity here? Okay. Integrity is the most important aspect of leadership. If you don't have integrity, you cannot lead. No one will listen to you. No one will believe in you. Okay? Integrity comes from the word integer. You remember integer? Okay? Integer. In... Teja. It is, it means whole or one. Okay. It's a, I, I think it's Greek. Uh, origin is Greek, but it means whole or one. Character remains consistent. The character of, of and people will follow you because of your character. Character can be compared to a statue. For example, the statue of Jomo Kenyatta at KICC. Okay? That thing is unchanging. It never changes. Uh, whether it's raining, whether there's sunshine, whether there are riots in Nairobi, whether kuna tear gas, that thing remains facing the same way it faces. Now that is character. Whether there's sunshine in your life, whether there are challenges in your life, it never changes. Okay? You never change. You are one. You are whole. Character is also defined as what you do when people are not seeing you is character. Or what you do when you think people will not know. Okay? <laughs> you know, many times when we fall into these things, we think people will never know. That's why we fall. Okay? But then, when you think people will not know, will you still remain a person of integrity? Will you still say no? Even when you are assured no one will ever know, will you still say no? Okay? Character. Uh, you know, you know, isn't it is a A, B, C, D? You know the alphabet? Okay? What do we refer to them as? Yeah? Characters. We refer to them as characters of the alphabet. Because A is A anywhere in the world. B is it doesn't change. C is C. The English alphabet. Yeah? <laughs> Abukudu. <laughs> those are sounds. Yes, that's what they are. Yeah, but A is still A. Yes, those are just sounds. Yeah, come on, B is still B. Still B. But it's very interesting, even in the hour. I don't know. So, there are six dimensions of character. Number one, trustworthiness. Trust. Trustworthy. Respect. Trustworthy. Respect. Responsibility. Fairness. Caring, 
and citizenship. Trust, trustworthiness, respect, responsibility, fairness, caring, and citizenship. These are the six dimensions of character. People must be able to trust you. You must be able to trust your leaders. Okay? If you're leading, you must be able to trust them. If you're being led, you must be able to, to trust. Okay? Then you have respect. People only respect people they admire. And most people admire character. Even if, you are, even if people don't like you, but you're a person of character, people will admire you. They'll be like, yeah, this man is a man of character. Okay? Then character also comes with responsibility. You've got to be responsible. You either you take responsibility for yourself, you take responsibility for the people you lead, you take responsibility for the, uh, the things that have been given to you to take care of. Okay? And then character also denotes fairness. This is what you call justice. To be fair under all circumstances. Uh, to be objective. Not to be carried away by emotions, but to be fair to people. You see, fairness is also about, uh, for example, if I come to this class and I say, uh, uh, Frank, uh, let's say we have tasks. Maybe kuna mduwa nafagia, kuna mduwa nashadirisha, then kuna mgini napanguza viti, okay? And then I look at Frank because sikupendi ni kuambia yeo shachini. And then niangalia faith, because faith akosani mwambia, okay, sasa faith kenyo utafanya, Unaweza tupanguza hizi dirisha tu kidogo tu sishinde ukizungulika sana. And then I look at mtu kama David niseme ah David sasa wewe eh, unaweza supervise hawa watu. <laughs> like, <laughs> see I'm not being fair. True or false? I'm I'm handing out instructions and responsibilities based on how much I like this one how, what if I don't like this one if this one looks ni kama ananichezeaga sana huwa serious utampea mzigo. That's not fairness. And it acts as part of my character. So character is not just about sex and money. It's also about fairness, how you do your things. Okay? And then uh, we talk about caring. Okay? You've got to be care. And, and one of the principles of leadership is that people don't care how much you know until they, care, they know how much you care. Okay? You may come with all the wisdom of the world, all the wisdom of Solomon and whoever combined. But if you don't care, Okay, and then citizenship. Character is also about citizenship. You know, in Israel, one of the things that I noticed in Israel is that it is everyone's responsibility to do anything. For example, if you walk, if you're walking in the streets of of Jerusalem, and there are someone has dropped a, a piece of paper. A Jew will not come and just pass it. Okay? Come a Kenya. Are you together? Kenya does not have a kanjo. You know, on a far No. It is a responsibility of the citizen. They'll come, pick it up, and put it in the trash. Okay? In the trash can. So, it is a responsibility of everyone to defend their nation. It is a responsibility of everyone to make their nation better. 
And those are the virtues we have not been taught here in Kenya. True or false? Okay? Character. Tell your friend character who? Tell the other one character who? Hey, ask the other one, do you know anyone with character? I love Akwambie. Yeah? So character matters. Number two dimension is action. The action of the leader or the actions of the leader. Okay? The actions of the leader. All right? What the leader says, what the leader does. Unakumuka that topic we did about leadership behavior. How you behave as a leader determines what your character is. Or your character determines how you behave. Bishop Moradi's character determines how he behaves. Bill Clinton's character determines his actions. And that's why I was asking, when a leader is taking action, is he taking action based on his character, based on the environment? What is this thing that is pushing him or her to take particular actions? When I come to class and I say, from today I'm going to punish all of you, okay? Uh, while well, I'm just assignments, you are finished. Mutajuan himi lecturer. You get? So what is, what is determining my actions? Okay? <laughs> okay? It just shows what kind of character I have. That's why I tell people, be very careful with statements that people make uh, in your churches, you know, among, among you. Because this man may make a statement and you think he's joking, but that is his character. It is just coming out naturally. All right? So if you are being led, what you are learning today is to identify people who have, uh, who have very little ethics. If you are leading, then it is your responsibility to identify these things in yourself and ask yourself, have I made statements that may look like I am trying to force people? Because in leadership uh, ethics, when you take action, you don't force people to do things. You persuade people. People are not there to bend to your will. Okay? They have other things they are doing. You're not to call. You see, I, I, I have worked in different churches, and it's, there's, an interesting, uh, there's an interesting thing that happens in churches. A pastor calls you or a bishop calls you, and they're summoning you to their office. As if where you are, you are just sitting there waiting for them to do what? Ni kama una kinginia kufanya, ulikuotu mekaibi nangkoja usi bishop adipigia, bishop adipigia, ndi ukimbia. No, that's not how things work. And I've told a few, a few people, a few of them, boss, I have, can we schedule this thing? You can't just call me out of nowhere and you want to see me in an hour. No, let's schedule this thing. I'll see you tomorrow. Because I also have other things I'm, do I'm also doing what? I'm doing ethical leadership. In other words, ethical leadership is where you also consider your actions before you actualize them. You consider what am I doing? What am I saying? How will it affect this person? How will it affect that other person? Okay? And then we have the goals. What are your goals? Okay? That is number three. Number three. 
Yes, under factors. Number three, we have goals of the leader. So what are my goals when I do these things? What are my goals when I, when I talk about, when I say, uh, for example, I say, Michael, take off your hat. You can't come to this class, Nakofia. And again, what is my goal? What is it that I'm hoping to achieve by saying that? Are you together? Is my goal to demean him? Is my goal to intimidate him? Is my goal to show him that he's not in charge, I'm in charge? All right? Is my goal to help him? What are the goals? Because the goals also are determined by character. So what is the goal of a leader telling you to do something? You must be able to think about it. But as an ethical leader, you must also evaluate your own goals or what you call objectives before you take you do anything. Before you start any project, before you start any class, before you do anything, always define your objectives. Why am I doing what I am doing? What is the end game? Okay? Why are you in this class, for example? What is your goal at the end of it all? Is your goal to drop out of class? Is your goal to pass the exams? Is your goal to become a, an all-rounded leader? What is your goal? Because your goal will determine how far you go with this class. And also your character will determine your goal in this class. Okay? For the younger people, what is your goal of dating? If you want to be in a relationship, why are you dating? What's your goal? What's the end of it all? What is the objective? Is it even important right now in your life? You get? Or are you just, did you just see this girl, uh, David, and, and your heart paragashad? And, <laughs> and now you say, oh, let me date her. No, you know, what is the end goal of it all? All right? Do you want to build your life? Or do you want to build someone else's life? You have to really think. And then number four is honesty. Okay? Another factor of character is honesty. Be honest in all your dealings. Be very honest with yourself. Be honest with others. And be honest with those who lead you. Or those who you lead. Okay? I think we talked about this and we said that uh, honesty is part of um, uh, one of the traits of good leadership, right? Yeah. All right? So uh, honesty is defined as what? <laughs> honesty is an openness or a transparency such that when you're talking to someone, you can tell this is an honest person. Even, even when you meet the, them the first time, the conversation that you guys are having, you can tell any this person is honest. Okay? There is an openness about them. I always say, you can always know a godly person when you meet a godly person. But you also must be godly to know a godly person. Are you together? You can know someone who is genuine by just sitting and listening to them. And you're like, okay, this guy is genuine. You can know a pastor is genuine and I'm Cora. Like, <laughs> you can know them by what they say. Are they honest about what they say? Okay? Are they taking the glory of someone else's idea? Or are they stealing someone's 
and then coming, you know, there's, that's a habit that happens in churches. There's one time I watched on TV, one of my friends, uh, he's no longer my friend, because I used to correct him a lot, Tukakosana. He, stole, he took up Joel Austin's sermon, okay? You know, Joel Austin is very inspirational, you know, like, anaongea vizuri, nakale kasauti. So this guy takes the whole sermon. Nikama mchukumbaka notes. And then and I preach na power ile Kenya sasa. I am telling you, you shall make it. So nikasikiza, so finally, nikwa nimesikiza Joel Austin. Then I'm listening to this Aqua TV. Come skiza. I didn't come call because he'll record. Come as a boss. Next time I can't plagiarism. Do it in a better way. <laughs> and he was so embarrassed. And you know, we went to school with him. So I was telling him, remember the ethics to learn, Bana, the plagiarism. You can't just take someone, someone, and photocopy it as if it's your own. At least give credit. You know, be honest. Be honest in your, in your dealings. Be honest in your assignments. Be honest in, be an all-rounded, honest person. Okay? And then, power. The power of the leader. is also a character issue. Okay? A character issue. So we have several types of power. There is what we call referent power. Referent is R-E, nikama refer, and then unamalizia na E-N-T. Referent power, expert power, legitimate power, reward power, and coercive power. <laughs> Referent power, expert power, legitimate power. Reward power and coercive power. Okay? Referent power. Mamaliza kwandika. Referent, expert, legitimate, reward, and coercive. Five types of power. Referent power is where people follow you because they like you, it is the liking. Oh, I like that lecturer, so I will follow him. Oh, I like that person, okay? So the people follow you because yeah, they like you. So oh. It's like charisma. It's charisma. So like you follow, uh, you follow me or you follow a leader because you like them. If you guys go to church, there is one pastor you like, okay? Maybe there is zero. Maybe you end up because Again, but there's always that person you like. And so you're like, okay. So that, power has, that person has power over you, but it's um, reference power. Then you have expert power. Okay? This is where you exercise leadership because you're an expert in something. People look at you in a way, a different way. So you have influence because you're an expert. Uh, when you do IT and you're an IT expert, and you come into this room, we will all listen to you because we are not IT experts, okay? But you are an IT expert. So there is expert power where people follow you because you are an expert. For example, in this class, you are listening to me. Some of you may not like me. Are we together? But you are listening to me because <laughs> I am an expert, okay? <laughs> Some of you are following me for both. I have, uh, you like me and I am an expert, okay? 
And you see, it is very important for a leader to understand that concept. To understand that not everyone will like you. To understand that not everyone loves you. And to stop trying to make people love you. Okay? It is liberating, in fact. When you try to impress everyone, you end up impressing no one. And you end up not doing your job. Okay? And then there is legitimate power. This is power that, uh, for example, we have like a judge. They have legitimate power. Come on, these uh, elections, we had uh, this court case, and there were seven judges of the Supreme Court. Okay? So we listened to them, not because we agree with them, but because they have legitimate power. Okay? So we are following them. If they say the election was free and fair, there's nothing we can do about it. They are legitimate. They have legitimate power. Okay? Uh, judges, uh, courts, uh, uh, vice chancellors, for example, they, they have power legitimately. Now, this also works very well in businesses where the manager is your manager. He has legitimate power over you and he has a higher position than you. So you must follow them, whether you like them or you don't. Okay? And then there is reward power. Reward power is where now I, I have the power to reward you or punish you. Okay? And so you want to impress me or you want to follow this guy because he can reward you or punish you. As a lecturer, I have this power too. I can decide to give you a good grade based on what you've done or punish you with a bad grade. So you have to do assignments because there is a reward coming at the end of it all. All right? And many times, we, uh, you know, many people, many leaders play around with this thing. And then we have what we call coercive power. This is the power of manipulation, or what we call the dark side of leadership. In chapter one of North House, he talks about dark side of leadership. This is the power that Adolf Hitler used, Akina Saddam Hussein, Muammar Gaddafi, coercive power to kill people, to coerce you into doing something that you don't really want to do. Okay? And most people, uh, most, uh, the dark side of leadership, go read that portion again, dark side of leadership, you will understand coercive power. Okay? Higher. No, there is one more. Values. Values. Okay? Six factors of ethical leadership under character. Values. So we have character, we have actions, we have goals, honesty, power, and values of the leader. What do you value? Because you will only lead people based on your values. Okay? If you have no values and if you have nothing uh, in your life that you value, uh, truly, you may never lead. If you don't have values, you may be led by the wrong people. Okay? And also personal, as a personal, as an individual, do you have any values? Do you have any form, any ounce of respect for yourself? Okay? That you say, these are the values I live by. For example, some of the values you can have is that I value saving. Saving money. Okay? You know, one of the challenges that one of the values that you must 
define while you're still very young is your value of money. How do you view money? When money comes to you, what happens to you or with you when you have some money? Rajo anasema pesa iko na joto fulani, you know. Pesa kanakuwa na joto. Sikia mtu anasikia eh. Ukiwa na 10k, 20, 30k extra out of your normal budget. Hai unasikia kadhaa nimefika bana. Yeah, unatembea unataka kukula huku, you know, unaenda pale unanunua vitu expensive, expensive ndio ushaina kila. You get? Money has a way of getting to our heads. So what you have to define very early when you are still very young is your value about money. What is the what is your principle? What is your philosophy about money? Okay? Uh, there is this book I was reading. It's called The Richest Man in Babylon. Very interesting book. And it talks about the six laws of money. And so I will not tell you the six laws of money. You go find them out, okay? You go study them and find the six laws and then begin to apply them. Funny thing is when you apply these six laws, it doesn't matter whether you're poor or rich, they will work for you. It doesn't matter whether you're African or white, they will work for you. It doesn't matter whether you live in Kibera or Runda, they will work for you because they are laws. They cut across. Okay? Values. What is your value uh, about for example the people who value family? Okay? Your value of family will determine how you lead. Your value of money will determine how you lead. Your value of um, information and, 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 and reading or adding to your knowledge will determine how much, how you lead. Okay? Values. All right, questions? Question? All right. If there are no questions, then I think... Tunaza Maliza.